irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. Welcome back to another Sunday night of Max and Friends. Well, if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to the show. We've been here for 12 years. Where have you been? Tweet me at Max Tucci. Instagram me at Max Tucci. Join the show. Be a part of the show. And hey, I have exciting news. I know you all seen it before on Instagram and whatnot, but I really haven't officially talked about it here on the show yet. But I won a couple of communicator awards for... Max and Friends, one for best lifestyle episode with Gordana Birnat. You know her from Oprah Super Soul 100 and for on-air talent. <laughs> so it was super exciting to to win those. And I'm so grateful. But, you know, there's a whole team here at LA Talk Radio with Max and Friends. So I have to thank, of course, Sam, Ronan and Dina, who have been a part of this show for 12 years. Of course, Ronnie, who was a part of this show. And this team brings you Max and Friends every Sunday night. So right here on LA Talk Radio. And we're also on a whole bunch of other app sites or podcast sites, whatever you want to call them and wherever you want to listen to them. Go there, listen to them, love them. If you want to hear 12 years of Max and Friends, go to latalkradio.com backslash Max. And there you can join the fun and hear interviews from Jackie Collins, who used to spend every New Year's here with us. It was so much fun having Jackie Collins on Max and Friends. And of course, oh my gosh, there's so many shows, Ashley Longshore. And the reason why I bring her up is because my guest today this is going to be a fun show because we're going to talk a lot about art and what it means right now in a great show that uh, was created by art curator, art broker, and advisor, Kipton Cronkite. And the new show that he has is Thinking of Art. So go right now to at Kipton on Instagram and at Thinking of Art. We're going to talk about a couple of things here tonight in this art world and what it means to really be an art advisory and all sort of an art advisor and what it means to where is art right now? And is this a good time to buy art? We'll find out. And then later up on the show, we've got Jessica Bunavac from The Polish Woman. She's going to join us here because she's got some exciting news. You know, I executive produced that show there on LA Talk Radio Mondays at one o'clock. So Jessica will be joining us later in the show. And we have a message from Ash Ruiz. You all remember Ash Ruiz from Menudo. Well, he did a song about Burning Man. And since Burning Man is canceled this year, we're going to uh, repurpose his message. <laughs> so he said, yes, let's repurpose it and let's play it here on Max and Friends tonight. But without any further ado, I want to welcome my friend, Kipton Cronkite, to Max and Friends. Welcome to the show. Hi, Max. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm super. How are you? You know, I see your Instagram and you're like surfing. How is it to like actually be surfing again after after being in, in lockdown? <laughs> you know, it feels good. It always feels good to reconnect with nature, um, the ocean, um, just that that flow. And, you know, this quarantine, this lockdown has been brutal on all of us. But I mean, getting out in the ocean is, is just such a blessing. I love it. Yeah, it sure is. Well, so yeah. you've had a really interesting life so far because you've been working 
in marketing and finance in Texas and Oklahoma, and then you moved to New York in 2000 run right shortly before the September 11th attacks to pursue mm-hmm. a career in art and finance. So yes. let's kind of go back in time to let's pick up from Oklahoma. So you're in Oklahoma and you decide to leave. <laughs> sure. I escaped. I mean, I love Oklahoma and anybody that's from there. It's a beautiful state and it's a great place to grow up. Yeah, I grew up on uh, wide open spaces with cattle ranches. And, and you know, I had two grandmothers that were artists and, and I was, was inspired by their passion for uh, painting and never thought in a million years I would be an art advisor and dealer. I, I had a dream to work on Wall Street. And then, you know, left Oklahoma to go to New York um, in 2001, um, shortly before 9-11 happened. And I was living a block from the towers when when that uh, horrible day happened. So that changed all of our lives um, at the time. But it really propelled me into kind of rethinking the direction of my career and, and merging art, my interest and passion for creativity and art, but also my love of finance. And then from finance, so then it's now you go back to working, though, in in finance, right? You go to Citigroup Mm -hmm. and Bank of America, becoming director and SVP of investor relations until 2009. So Mm -hmm. during that time, was art still calling you? Yeah, Max, it was it was wild because at the time in 2005, of course, like New York City, the economy was doing pretty well. Um, New York was so much fun during that time, by, mm-hmm. by the way. It sure was. <laughs> and um, so I had a friend that was the chief marketing officer of the W Hotel in Times Square, and they were opening it. And he said, hey, Kip, do you know of any artists that we should put in the hotel? Um, and I'm like, whoa, dude, I don't know why you're asking me, but um, I, I, you know, I appreciate that. And I suggested these four MFA grads from the School of Visual Arts, which I uh, particularly loved. And proposed those to the marketing director, W, loved him. And they said, hey, we're going to do it, uh, an exhibition for you in the summer of 2005 with those artists. Invite some of your friends. And I had, and I think we had about 300 people that, that came to the opening. And then from there, I just had invitations from people who had retail stores, uh, people that were launching different brands. And, and I started like curating art and bringing artists and giving visibility to artists really as a hobby while I was working Mm full-time in finance. Wow. Yeah. And then during that time, so would you, have you discovered artists, would you say? Oh my God. Yeah, I have. (laughs) Um, It's been really fortunate to work with so many amazing artists over, I don't know, 15 year period now. Um, You know, artists that were either on the street, you know, painting on the street to artists that went to some of the top art schools. I mean, all across the board, And just developing those relationships with artists has been a real pleasure. And yeah, there are a lot of them that have gone on to do and sell and, you know, exhibit worldwide uh, through old connections that I had with them. So, so yeah, I have a whole roster of artists that um, even though I don't exclusively represent artists like a a typical gallery would do, Mm -hmm. as an advisor, I interact with the artists, I nurture them, I place, help place them in collections and talk to curators from museums and, and directors of galleries to kind of filter those artists through the system, the art world system, to really give them that boost of credibility. 
Yeah. Well, how important is art right now, especially, you know, in a time where there's a lockdown and you've been doing your show thinking of art. We're going to talk about mm -hmm. that in a moment. But sure. how does art reflect tough times in your eyes? Wow. It's such a, an, an amazing expression of passion. Right. So it, think about, you know, you're if you if you uh, have a diary, for example, you're writing your deepest, darkest thoughts and emotions into into that diary an artist is doing the same thing with expressing himself or herself um, through the canvas uh, or on paper or whatever medium or photography whatever medium they're they're using and it i think it's just a beautiful way of self-expression and mm. you know for those of us that that maybe weren't raised <laughs> in environments where emotions and vulnerability where were nurtured. They were thought of more of as weaknesses and not strengths. Um, it took me a while um, to really, I mean, I think the, the artist really nurtured kind of my evolution just as a human and that passion that, that I had that was really kind of hidden through kind of the conservative environment that I grew up in Oklahoma, middle America. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always fascinating because I grew up in in the art world, you know, being with Del Monaco's restaurant, there was always art around and my father was a huge collector. So for me, art was always an amazing aspect to life and just to notice it. And it really it it awakens me to to see when people don't notice art and then they notice it for the first time. And there's like such a joy their whole vibration changes in life. You know, it's like walk, you can walk by a place a million times and until you look up, you notice the name of the store kind of a thing. And <laughs> yeah. so, you know, like my, the house I have here in Colorado, there's a lot of art. And um, when friends come over, they're always like, you're so bold in putting art in your house and huge pieces. And mm -hmm. so you created mm -hmm. Art Stager. So tell us about right. that and how you go into homes and do you tell us what you do? Sure, sure. No, I, I love your your personal passion for art and, and how you support artists too. That's inspiring for me to watch your collect, you know, how you collect artists and support them. But um, really, uh, as the recession happened, fast forward 2005, when I did my first exhibition, um, 2009, I was still working full time in finance. By the time I was at Bank of America, the recession happened, you know, 2008, 2009, I left Bank of America laid off during the recession. And then at that point, I leased a gallery space on Wall Street to start exhibiting artists. And I think really what I discovered during that point was during the recession, you know, that at that time is that people really wanted to connect with art, but they wanted to see it and live with it and kind of feel the energy of the art, right? Mm. It was before art was really sold online. There, mm. weren't, the, there weren't the online art platforms really at the time 10 years ago mm -hmm. um they were just starting mm -hmm. so um people would go to exhibition they would see art but then they would feel you know some would feel pressured to like buy art because other people were buying it you know the there's so you know exhibitions that sell out you know the night of type of thing there's a lot of pressure and especially those that don't have kind of the comfort level art mm -hmm. buying art can be an intimidating process so mm -hmm. art stager was really uh, created in order to give people an opportunity to see the art, live with the art. And then it evolved into working with the real estate community and staging art for apartments to really give the whole energy flow a different, mm -hmm. a different vibe so that it wasn't necessarily, you know, the, maybe the, the listing was just a generic 
you know, yeah, it's a beautiful penthouse apartment, but there's maybe right. there's 10 other pen, uh, penthouse apartments. But there's no soul. <laughs> there's no soul. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So the art will bring the soul, bring the energy. And my kind of eye for understanding and working with the agents and the developers and the collectors, I, I get a sense intuitively of what they like. And I pull art that that is kind of symbi- symbiotic, I guess, with that energy flow. Mm-hmm. So you said your eye. How do you think that eye was developed? Were you born with it? Or do you think over time you you honed into it and tuned into I, it? I have never been asked that question in that way. I believe that I was born with it. I, I don't, I, I know that I did not, recognize that that was a talent um, of kind of spotting art or intuitively understanding when I see art, feeling the emotions of that specific artist or painter for some reason. Uh, I can't do it necessarily all the time, but I would say like 95% of the time I can look at a piece and talk to the artist and say, were you feeling this at the time? And the emotions kind of match what I'm feeling, the energy flow of Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling. And, and I think that that's a gift. I, I don't. Um, it is. You're I, like the art whisperer. <laughs> I, I I know it's it's really wild. And I, and I think you know maybe you know I I have it and I have developed it over time. Mm-hmm. And there are other people out there that that do as well. I think everybody has it inside of them. It's just nurturing it. For example, mm-hmm. like I think anytime you see a piece of art, whether they be a street artist or in a gallery or whatever, and it speaks to you, your heart races. Your, you know, your, your um, emotions flow, your, mm-hmm. you get flushed or whatever, it speaks to you, then that's where you, you're having some emotional connection to the art. Mm-hmm. And my job as a curator and advisor is to, is to pull art in front of the people and the clients to give them that opportunity to have that connection. So it's almost like a matchmaker, you know, mm-hmm. a curator, but it's also more of a matchmaker scenario. Yeah. Um, that that I that that of how it's evolved over time. You know, so what do you tell people, or what do you offer to to our listeners tonight who aren't into buying art and really, like you said, they don't they can't walk by art and feel that uh-huh. that energy and that expression and that vibration in it. Um, what do you advise them to to look for and to tune into when they're when they're walking by art or when they notice art? To purchase it for themselves. Sure. I, I, I always tell clients, well, art, art can be intimidating because mm-hmm. it's just a cycle, you know, behavioral cycles, right, that we all, um, all go through. You know, if you were taught to uh, look at something a particular way or think about something a particular way, trying to change that cycle in your mind is, is sometimes tough unless you, you know, really recognize it and say, okay, I recognize that I'm feeling, I'm not feeling the emotion of the painting or I'm not feeling the, um, the energy flow. I'm re- I recognize I'm not feeling it, but I'm going to stay open to, to it and see how I feel. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the first step. It's almost like mm-hmm. acknowledging you have a problem or if you're, right. an, you know, if you're an addict, <laughs> you know, it's like admitting, okay, I have a problem. I have a problem. I can't feel the emotions of the painting. I can't, I can't sense that. So Mm. I think that is the first thing that one should, should do. And then Mm. at that point, if you don't feel anything, it's kind of like move on and see if you feel it with some, something else. And, 
And I, I also refer to acquiring art as kind of like dating. So, you know, if you're dating somebody and you feel a really great physical, emotional, physical connection, great, you know, pursue that. It, same thing with art. If you don't feel some kind of passion with it, um, kind of like steer away from it and just kind of see what else, you know, you gravitate more towards. I don't know. Yeah. Does that, does that help? It makes total sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like speed date, speed dating, walk by a bunch of stuff and feel the connection first and then go back to it. Maybe. Yeah. But um, so how, why does using an art advisor help when building a collection? Would you say? It's really beneficial to have an art advisor and people think, oh, it's going to be expensive. Well, art advisors are paid just like a real estate agent is paid. Mm -hmm. So we don't make money until the transaction actually closes. So there's a lot of legwork that has to be done. So for example, if you say, okay, Kip, I want to spend $1,000, $10,000, whatever your budget is for a piece mm -hmm. of art over my mantle, then what I would do is walk you through the process. What art you know, do you find attractive? What colors? You know, what medium? Do you like photography? Do you like abstract art? Do you like figurative art? You know, go through a series of questions, mm -hmm. narrow it down. Then um, based on the budget parameters, it gives me a sense of kind of what level of artist I can I can suggest. Level meaning if it's a, an emerging, you know, an artist that's that's just getting started, that's at a lower price point, or if it's an artist that's a little bit more established, it's going to be a higher price point. So that depends on the budget of the client. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, the first thing that an art advisor is really helpful with doing with narrowing down your taste palette. Mm -hmm. um, and then secondly, it's negotiating kind of the price of the piece. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, if you're buying it at a gallery, if the gallery doesn't know who you are, if you've never bought from that gallery, um, sometimes there's a waiting list with specific artists that have mm -hmm that sell out on a regular basis every time they, they uh, release new paintings. There are waiting lists for certain galleries uh, of artists that are in really high demand. So if you're working with an advisor that has a relationship with that gallery, it can help you, help you perhaps jump the line or at least get in line to acquire a piece from that specific gallery. Um, also, all the due diligence that an art advisor does behind the scenes of you know, not only helping you find an artist, look at the due diligence of where they went to school, where they've exhibited, if they've sold publicly at auction, um, condition reports. Like I'm going through this right now with a client, like we acquired a piece, but it's pending on the condition report that I'll have an inspection done that will be linked to the insurance appraisal. Mm -hmm. So, and that's another thing when you buy art and acquire it, you also, it's good, if, especially if the, the, the collection grows in value over time mm -hmm. is to have an insurance appraisal done and have somebody to walk you through that process. Yeah. So how can art be considered an investment? And is it a good one in moments mm -hmm. like now? I mean, I would never say buy art as an investment exclusively because I feel like that takes the, the fun and the mm -hmm. energy kind of the flow out of it. I mean, that's just my opinion. Of course, I have collectors that say, hey, we want to we want to spend X amount of money and we want to buy an artist that has a good, that is a good investment. And if in that case, it strategically, you go into it and say, all right, here's 50 grand. I'm going to put this instead of putting in a, in a stock or a bond or whatever uh, investment product you're going to 
consider. Um, you could look at the, the price history, and Art Advisor can help you with this. Look at the price history and the appreciation potential of that that specific artist and how they've sold in the private market as well as in the if, if they've traded in the public um, auction market. Those, those records are very easily to, to find. Um, and then you can decide kind of what artwork to, to buy as an investment. And then when you get to a much higher price point, and this is what I did when I was in finance, um, at, at Citigroup and Bank of America, I would refer clients that had say multi-million dollar pieces of art to set up lines of credit on those collections. And then you can actually, instead of selling them and creating tax consequences, especially if there's a lot of um, value um, that's been uh, accumulated over you know decades, for example, um, instead of paying you know the the um, capital gains taxes, there are creative ways that one can set up lines of credit to liquefy that art to make it you know to to pull some of the the, the liquidity out of it. To diversify into other asset classes, so there's there's other ways to do it on the super high end of the art market. Yeah, no, it's very helpful. You know, and how do you think that the art world has changed during COVID nineteen? You know, one day the stocks are down, one day they're up, and life is just happening mm-hmm. and it's unfolding naturally as we knew it, now know it to be. So, how has it changed? Do you think the the art world and artists? The- yeah, the art world is evolving, right? I mean, there was there were so many art fairs constantly everywhere, domestically, internationally, that you know, people were socially traveling to different art fairs around the world and that's come to a halt, right? There mm-hmm. you know, Art Basel in Switzerland for example, is all online, it's been canceled. I mean, all the big art fairs have been canceled and you know, going into galleries and seeing art in person is changing. Everything is mm. has had to shift because of the pandemic to buying art online. And the, the challenge that people face now is that if they can't physically go into a, a gallery space or if they can't even mm. go into a museum, right. And see an artist that they're, they're, they're interested in acquiring, how do they buy it without seeing it yeah. in this, in this environment? So relying even more on art advisors that have kind of the deep relationships with artists, with galleries, um, it is really important for, for your kind of safety and guidance and protection. So for my business has actually been a huge spike in interest and demand of my capabilities because of the trust factor that, that is necessary in order to acquire a piece that, that, mm-hmm. that a client is not seeing. Right. So yeah, no, you know, there, I like that some of these things have come to a halt in life um, just to t- kind of redirect it and put in some new energy into it. And especially Basel in Miami. When I was like when I heard it was canceled, I'm like, oh, thank God. I think it just yeah. gives a pause for a minute so that collectors can be collectors and wanna be influencers can, you know, step back a minute and not just go totally there to right. to to, you know, party. promote themselves. It, there, yeah. I saw the the transition of Basel and I was like, what is going to move the needle in order for this to change back to really what it was created to be? Mm-hmm. And um, and maybe this is it. You know, there's always a silver lining in in these kind of situations. And when there's crisis, there's opportunity. But I want to go back um, for a moment into your life because you took some time off to kind of be still and know. So what encouraged you to to take that moment of, reset let's call it you mean during covid during your no during life in general oh life in general yeah 
I mean, I did. I mean, well, I was for, you know forced out of finance, right, mm-hmm. during the recession and then had to kind of give myself a timeline of saying, okay, can I make money? Can I do something that's I'm really passionate about about 10 years ago? Um, when that happened and I'm really blessed to have found that passion and if I found something that not only can I make a living doing, but I'm also providing a really helpful service to people who, you know, feel intimidated to buy mm-hmm. art and, and also supporting artists who are reliant on gallerists and dealers and advisors to promote their work, you know, artists you know, love to just create their work. I don't think any artist out there loves dealing with, with the buyers and selling art right. and dealing with the invoicing and price <laughs> negotiations and all of that stuff, right? Yeah, they, of course. They, it's really beautiful to have somebody in that process to, to help them. So I, yeah. I feel like the break that I had, you know, in between leaving, transition between finance and, and mm-hmm. art was, was a great one. And then Last summer, I took um, a six-week break uh, to go to Indonesia, and I traveled um, all over Indonesia for about six weeks, and that was a real blessing. Really, actually, mm-hmm. stepping away from my business, stepping away—it's the longest trip I've ever done. Um, a, you know, I've done like two, three, four-week trips, but six weeks away is a long time. It's another cycle in a month. It's a cycle mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of keeping right. that flow going. And, you know, the time change and the time difference and all that stuff was a big yeah. challenge. But, but that was a great reset for me last summer. That's beautiful. So when did you discover that everything is energy? You know, I would say my, um, I, I had little glimpses of that growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a very religious upbringing, but I would say it was around 2011 and I started studying Kabbalah um, in New York. I was invited. I have a lot of friends that are Jewish. I'm not. I'm, you know, Protestant, but I was very open to learning about, you know, different philosophies, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I started and I was invited to go to a class and I went and, and I started understanding how the energy flow works from the teachings of Kabbalah. And I think that really fascinated me. And I, and I really started, you know, doing more energy work, meaning, um, more yoga and meditation and really trying to sit and listen to my, um, listen to my thoughts or observe my thoughts, but also, um, see how and recognize kind of the, the, the changes that I was feeling in in my body. Um, so in any way, in, in fast forward from 2011 to earlier this year, I completed a 10 day silent, um, retreat. It was called Vipassana meditation, which was, mm-hmm. that was the, the most major thing I've ever done to really focus yeah. on really taking that time out to, to observe your, your mind and your emotions and the feelings in your body. And just in, in a state of quiet, quiet, you know, space. It was, and, and, it, was and it was perfect timing too, to set you up for where you are, where we are all are now, <laughs> you know, being, cause I also do a lot of meditation and also lots of silence and to be able to do that and then be in this time frame of months where we're quarantined and locked down, it really has exposed the illusion of time and oh, just being able to, to appreciate the now moment in the, in the silence and stillness. But Speaking of silence and stillness, we got to talk here because this is a radio show and I'm your host, Max Succi. Hey, Ronan, what's everybody listening to? LA Talk. 
LA Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. Welcome back. My guest tonight is Kipton Grantkite. We're talking about art. We're talking about his life. We're talking about The Flip because you've started a show, Thinking of Art, and you can find it on Instagram, at Thinking of Art. So how does it feel to be now, now in the hot seat? Because usually you're interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like it. It's actually relaxing for me. It's nice. And you're so easy to talk to. So thank you, Max. Cheers. Well, I want to do um, a fast flash round with you. So we're going to drop sure. some names of artists and tell me what you think about them. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to start with Romeo Brito. Romero Brito, he's just a sweet, kind, passionate man that is probably one of the hardest working artists I've ever met. James Goldcrown. <laughs> James, I met five years ago. He was a street artist. Um, I hired him to drive art to Art Basel, Miami. I agreed to show, uh, I think it was at least five, five of his paintings. We sold out his paintings and he has gone on to just blow up and do so well. I'm so super proud of James. David Polke. <laughs> David um, is a New York-based muralist and uh, painter specializing in, bl in black and white medium. I met David through mutual friends in New York City. God, it's probably been like five years ago. I exhibited him at Soho House in 2018. I've done mural collaborations with clients in Florida, and it's it's just it's it's amazing to see his growth and his focus and just the black and white medium that he that he specializes in. Genesis, the great kid, who you just interviewed a couple of days ago. Genesis, I'm I met a couple of years ago here in Los Angeles, and he is just such a kind kind man, and. Uh, We've been trying to figure out ways to collaborate for the last couple of years. And um, he's based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we did, you know, we did a conversation on my Thinking of Art show about his process. And we're actually uh, raising funds for a charity called Build Me a World for any, any of the art that sold the six paintings that I'm actually featuring on my site right now. So I just love the way he expresses himself through his poetry and then you know, obviously the the result is, are the beautiful pieces of art that he creates. Ashley Longshore. Wow. Ashley is just a force beyond. Um, I met her, guys, probably been 15 years ago in New York, New York City. Um, one of her very first exhibitions and she was just getting started. And, you know, like I told her, I've told her many times and I told her even recently, I said, you're the same person you were then as you are now. And you've stayed loyal and true to, to who you are. And, and I think it's beautiful to see her success, but also that she, the art world didn't change her. You know, mm -hmm. she, she, she's authentic as authentic can be. She maintained, yes, exactly. Her authenticity. Yeah. And I have huge respect for that. Yes. And the reason why I brought all those names up is because you have interviewed all those people on Thinking of Art. So you can all go visit it right now on Instagram at Thinking of Art. What inspired you to create Thinking of Art? Because this is a new thing. It just in March, it, it birthed. You know, thanks, Max. I, you know, was sitting alone here in L.A. thinking, what am I going to do? I'm locked down. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm bored. I'm climbing the walls. What can I do to kind of educate my friends, my family, clients um, on art and introduce certain people to my network. And that's that was how it started. And I had no idea that I would continue to do 
to do this on a weekly basis, that it would grow, that I would have artists and I'd have some uh, world-renowned interior designers and I would have um, entrepreneurs as well as, you know, uh, people from some of the major auction houses on. So it's it's been a lot of fun. And I think the educational component of thinking of art is what I'm most proud of. So for those who haven't seen Thinking of Art yet, explain to them what it is. So Thinking of Art is a way to meet artists and creatives and interior designers. And we have a, a conversation around their specialty, how they made it to, to where they are in, in, their, in their career track, but also what they specialize in and, and how you can interact with them. So for example, if, it's a, if you want to buy art at auction, it's giving you a background of how the auction market works. What are the fees involved? Um, where do you go to, to buy the art and how you would interact with somebody like, like an art advisor such as myself to acquire that, that specific piece. If it's an artist that you may or may not have heard of, it's a way to understand their medium, their process and the emotional component of how all artists really create and breaking down those barriers to make it less intimidating for people. And when does it air? Um, it's at, tw- at 12 p.m. Pacific time, and I try to do them five days a week. Uh, some days I skip depending on um, uh, on the waves. <laughs> on the waves. If there's waves. <laughs> I, but I always do them at 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And then we can the watch week. them always also, right? Because they're always on your on your site. On I, your I, I, I archive them in IGTV as well as the YouTube channel. Yes. Perfect. Now, is there anyone that you really want to interview that you haven't interviewed yet for thinking of art anybody anybody yeah i would like to interview alex israel Mm -hmm. um i own one of his pieces i have huge respect for him i met him once it's been a couple years ago i'd like to interview him um yeah he's he's one on he's one a top one on my list right now and i also would you know like to to interview some interior designers i may work with some big ones but um, I, need, I need to also reach out to some top interior designers to cool. do that. Well, yeah. we look forward to seeing what's next on Thinking of Art. But, you know, we can't talk what's about Wall next? Street and artists without talking about Delmonico's because obviously it's part of my, <laughs> my heritage and it's right. Sure. It was your backyard for many years. So, you know, I'm doing a book now on the restaurant and I'm throwing out the question to people. If you could have dinner, fantasy dinner with anyone at Delmonico's and for you, if you could have a fantasy dinner with any artist dead or alive at Delmonico's, who would they be? Has to be an artist. Dead does or alive. Have to, does it have to, but does it have to be an artist or can you it be could, anyone? Anyone. Five people, but an artist would, would be cool to have. <laughs> okay. Well, artist. Okay. Art, oh, God, that's putting me on the spot. Artist, I would say Basquiat. Um, and personality, I would say Oprah. Awesome. Those two. All right. Sure. That's. That would be a good fantasy dinner. Basquiat, <laughs> Oprah, you at Delmonico's. That would be a fun menu. It'd be amazing. <laughs> and what room would we conversation? Now, I wonder, you know, I'm sure Oprah has an extensive art collection. Do you know any of the pieces she has? You know, I don't. I, I know some people that kind of help, help her. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know the extent of her collection. But I know That'd she's interesting to find. She out. has a nice collection. I know that El- like Elton John, for example, has an amazing oh yeah he is. collection. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. When he had that apartment in Atlanta, uh, my cousin lived in the building. And so we would go up and he had like two floors or three floors there. And each lobby was like done up. And I remember just like thinking, I, these are just the <laughs> lobbies. Imagine what's on the inside. Oh, but yeah. nonetheless, thank you for letting us inside of your life and for taking us on the journey of how you were, you, how you just create and how you created thinking of art and how you really brought the art world into so many people's lives. And thank you. Thank you, Max. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So we're going to look forward to Thinking of Art every day, almost every day on Instagram. And you can catch it there at Thinking of Art 12 o'clock here in L.A. or 3 o'clock on the East Coast. Captain Cronkite, thank you so much for joining me on Max and Friends. Thank you, Max. All right. Have a good day. Have a good night. And I will talk to you after the show. (laughs) Okay. All right. Coming up, y'all, we have Jessica Bunavac joining us. I could have talked to Kipton for like another hour, but we have to wrap things up here on Max and Friends. We've got a song from our buddy Ash Ruiz. Now, if you all were thinking about going to Burning Man and it just wasn't part of your thing or you can't go now because it's shut down, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to transition here. You know, I'm like in Colorado. It, it was a hot day and I'm just like totally relaxing and just being still in this present moment. But with that said, shit, I forgot to ask Kipton what he wants people to take with him into this week. But we'll ask Jessica. All right, so right now, right here on Max and Friends, there's a song called Burn, and Ash Ruiz has a message for you. And when we're back, my buddy, you all love her, Jessica Bunovac. She'll be here with us on Max and Friends. Hello there, loves. It's Ash. I'm feeling funky. Feeling the funk. Oh, you see, so many people wanted to go to Burning Man, so they did this lottery thing. I wasn't chosen. I had all my costumes ready. I was so excited to go to the Barbie death camp and then go to the Gay X Manuro camp, but it's not gonna happen this year. So I know there are many faithful burners like myself that are feeling the same thing. Because I know how powerful we is when we come together. I have this little mantra for us, and it goes something like this. Okay. If I can't go to the party, the party will come to me. Let's say it together. If I can't go to the party, the party will come to me. Welcome
Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. That was Ash Ruiz. That was a snippet of his song because Jessica Bunovac is here with me on the show right now. So I love you, Ash. If you want to see the video, you all can go right now to YouTube and look up Ash Ruiz Burn. I saw Ash the other day because I'm here in Colorado and we had the best time. And you know what? Sometimes we can't go to the party right now. So we got to bring the party to us. And that's why Jessica Bunovac is here because we're going to talk about the Polish Woman. It is the ultimate party for all you ladies out there to join every Monday on LA Talk Radio at 1 o'clock. Also, speaking of, if you're over at YouTube and you want to see 100 women tell you I love you because they do, then look up The Polish Woman on YouTube. And Jessica got 100 women to say I love you and in their native language. So it's really a love fest. It's what Ash is about. It's what I'm about. It's just what this moment is about. So welcome back to the show, my buddy, Jessica Bunovac. Hey, Max. I love that disco. That disco. <laughs> <laughs> That's some fun music, right? It's a fun music. <laughs> okay. We have so much to talk about. First and foremost, congratulations on winning a communicator award for best lifestyle episode. You know, Jess, you're yeah, celebrating we did it again, Max. <laughs> from Telly Awards to Communicator Awards. But the reality is, is why do you win is because you're authentic to your purpose, to your passion, to your mission. And that's what I think the judges see when they see you, you know, so congratulations. Thank you. Well, I wouldn't have I couldn't do it alone. You know, thank you for your help. You're good in creating, you know, you're very good in creating topics. Oh, my gosh. Well, speaking of topics on The Polish Woman, tomorrow at one o'clock on L.A. Talk Radio, it's gone from video to audio, but there's still Facebook live video at 1 p.m. It's the same time every Monday on L.A. Talk Radio. Tomorrow we have a um, tomorrow we have a really fascinating show just because we have. It's National Elder Abuse Day tomorrow, Monday. And we're going to have an expert on in the field of how you can uh, get help if you have an elder that's been abused, if you had a parent that's been abused. And we're going to have a guest whose parent has actually been abused. Oh my gosh, I know. That's amazing. Like all these things that I'm learning about it, I didn't even know that it happened. I mean, Isn't it wild? Yes, it's crazy. Oh, my gosh. We will have really good guests tomorrow on the show. And, you know, no one's talking about this. You know, they pick it up here and there, but it's never become like a really topic. I've never heard a show where they talk about it. And as you know, my grandma Letty was in that nursing home in Connecticut. Yeah. And they just treated her so awfully like they wouldn't cut her hair. They wouldn't give her a manicure. I had to have a huge fight there, you know, and um, yeah. that oh shouldn't God. be and the case. You know, we need to. Know? Do you what? know that? Also, do you know that they also steal medications? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Because they can sell them. Absolutely. It is so corrupt what happens to the elderly and just so unfair. And really, in a country where we're all talking about inclusion right now, we really need to include the elderly into into protecting the elderly. You know, they really can't fight for themselves. So tomorrow's going to be a good show. So make sure you turn into the the Polish Woman with Jessica R. Bunovac, 1 o'clock yeah. here on LA Talk Radio. But Jess, let's talk yeah. about you now have, like, you're every day expanding as, as a person, yeah. as a polished woman, yeah. as an individual. And as you're expanding, you're becoming closer to source to God. So let's talk about Wake Up and Pray with Jess and how what inspired you to create that Wake Up and Pray with Jess. I think you helped me. Because <laughs> <laughs> every time you call me, I'm going to say, hold on, love. I'm just going to pray for a while and then I'll call you. <laughs> 
So it's every day before I wake up. I mean, when I wake, as soon as I wake up, I pray. So we thought of that. I'm like, oh my God, that's a good, you know, thing to do. Um, I mean, include it on our Polish Woman brand that, you know, because the Polish Woman is about, is about that um, beautiful vessel and you cannot be that beautiful cargo or vessel if you're not complete, right? And you can only complete, you can only, you yourself can only complete yourself. You know, yeah. what I mean? not from other people. So how do you complete yourself by, you know, doing by taking away all the bad stuff in you and putting in, putting in, um, what do you call that? The good things in you, <laughs> you know, it's well, like, you know, yeah. What's really interesting, too, is that you had a revelation recently about what the polished woman means, because when you started it, you started it how many years ago? Like a good what? Gosh, seven, eight, nine years ago. Yes. Yeah. And I started this with my friend, Joanne. And, and, and every time I'm like, what is the real meaning of polished woman? I said, you know what? Just being confident. But it's really not that, you know. So what was the revelation for you? What is it? Well, the revelation for me is, is, and I didn't even know, remember I told you, mm -hmm. I used this on my, the eulogy of my father and I, and I just realized, oh my gosh, this is the one that my dad told me a long time ago. It's like picking up this, you know, he, he explained it to me. It's like, you're like a, this gold or crystal that is, you know, that's underneath the dirt. And then you, when you pick it up, you know, um, and you clean it and you polish it, that is you know, and taking out all the dirt and, and really polishing yourself. And when you see that crystal clear gold or a crystal, that's who you are. So it's basically taking away all the impurities that, you know, like the anger, the hate, the jealousy, the bad the patterns and pathology, patterns and pathology. <laughs> yeah. The bad characters that you have. And instead, you know, cleaning yourself, taking that away and putting being, you know, kind and loving and, you know, generous and being, um, what do you call that? Uh, just giving to other people and just loving other polished. people <laughs> and being polished. But, right? now, but Jess, you were inspired by your father with that, right? Yes. yes, yes. It's it's actually him. And I didn't realize this up until he passed away going through yeah. his emails. He sent me a couple of things about love. He'd, he'd always send me emails. I have like tons of emails from him. And when he passed away, I read every single, you know, like how when they're still yes. alive. You, oh my God. I just have to start interrupt you. I just had a revelation for you. We yeah. have to write a book in honor of your father called the emails from my father. Oh my gosh. All right. We'll talk about that after the oh show. Oh my God, that's so good. Let's talk about that after the show. Because, you know, Father's Day, the show you you have coming up for Father's Day is really incredible. Um, yeah. we, we aired it already, but Father's Day is next week, next Sunday. And what's interesting about the show and why we aired it last week <laughs> is because um, I know it sounds crazy just breaking this down, but we yeah. really wanted to highlight National Elder Abuse Day. So that's why we yes. we put Father's Day show a week early. But yes. what's interesting about the Father's Day show, and you can all go and check it out. Jess is everywhere, Spotify, on Podbean, on Apple, iTunes, yeah. wherever you find your podcast. But the yes. show, Jess, was so good because it was about women who are spending their first Father's Day without their father. Yeah. I cried. We all cried. Yeah. You cried. <laughs> Right. That, that was, um, it's just hard. I mean, it's just hard to celebrate Father's Day, even if you think, you know, even if you're 
father passed away, you know, years and years ago, you know, not having a father on Father's Day is just heartbreaking. You know, who can you share this with, right? Um, So now I celebrate it with my husband because he's a father now. So it's it's uh, if anyone you know would want to watch that, we're yeah we're all uh, listen to that. We're all on podcast podcast uh, station, and they can also um, watch us on our Facebook, the Polish Woman Facebook. yeah, it's it's uh, that was a good show that we had, and I've learned a lot. And people people are just still, you know, it's like, I feel like grieving doesn't stop. It, you know, yeah. it out well, you know, like my that. father passed away when I was eight years old. You know, yeah. and yeah. I remember there was like, as when you're young, you don't really know. Your mom also, you, your mother yeah. had a whole different trajectory. I mean, your mother was murdered when you were yeah. how old? You were young. Young, yeah, very 13, young. Thirteen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you lose a parent at that young age, you kind of understand, you don't understand what's really where they are. Are they coming back? Are they dead? Yeah. You know, yeah. you kind of are still trying to figure out life for yourself. Yes. So, yeah. and then I think when you realize that they're not coming back, for me at least, there was like this heightened anger. I was so pissed off with my father. Yeah. You know, like, how dare you? Fuck you. I mean, it really was like that. You know, it was like the fuck yeah. you turn to the thank you. And yeah. it, you know me, I'm in that intense, you know, because here I am. I grew up. I had to take on all these roles that were never meant for me. Yes. You know, it was like father and then husband yeah. and bro- yeah. all these male figures that <laughs> no yeah. eight roles should take. And the same for you. You know, we had that conversation the other day at 13. You had to take on all these roles that were not that were not appropriate roles yeah. for a 13 year old, yeah. you know, but, um, the, you know, the pain lasts, the grieving is a while for me, the grieving stopped when the fuck you became the thank you, you know, where it was like, thank you for, for me personally, his, my father's death to me represents my life, you know, and yeah. for him to die for at me such a young age, he gave me my life, yeah. you know, because I didn't have to become part of the restaurant and I can kind of do things on my own and such as create shows like the Polish Woman with Jessica Arbunov. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so I think that's, listen, we could talk about this forever and I'll talk oh about it next gosh. Sunday. No, but I think for you, love, remember when you told me, I think for you, the mm-hmm. reason why, I don't know, I don't know if there's a reason, but remember you told me before that, hey, there's a reason why you have, you know, there's a reason why we have the Polish Shuman and there's a reason why I talk about love and there's a reason why I have three children with different father, right? right? Because because you said, you told me that this is how, because you can love people and right. I treat my children equally, even if they had, you know, different right. father. You and became I, a mother to every, like all. To everyone. So I think right. with you losing your father, um, you know, I feel like God is saying, no, Max, you can do it. Look at how you have, you know, you have dealt with the whole, you know, with your family. You guys yeah. are, you're very close to your mom. You're yeah. very close to your sister. I mean, you're, you're very close to all, you even had, when you went to Italy, you had this whole thing that you discovered with your family. Oh so my God. You can, you can handle it. You know yeah. what I mean? We all can handle everything we're given, yeah. right? Yeah. But, and you know, we talk about that on your show often. Can you believe we're in our third year of The Polish Woman? Oh my God, I know that flies, that time flies so fast. I didn't even, you know what? I'm so, I enjoyed it so much that I, 
I didn't even realize it was already going to third year. I know. And yeah. you know what's fascinating was the other day, go follow Jess at The Polish Woman, at Jessica yeah. Arvunovac, and yeah. at Wake Up and Pray with Jess. But Jess, what was really interesting was the other day, just mm -hmm. on, what, Thursday, I had called you and was like, Jess, today, two years ago, you know, you discovered that all of these supplements and all of the, by yeah. not eating food, was causing your depression and suicidal yeah. thoughts. And that was such a massive revelation show for you. Yeah. Um, and that was two years ago. It feels like yesterday. Right? right? I know. It's like yesterday that I stopped. No, I mean, wow, that's already two years. Yeah. That's All right. Okay. Well, you know what, Jess? We got to wrap up because we have like no more time. But before I wrap up, thank you, Ronan, yeah. for letting me know. Um, so tomorrow, Bye. tune in. I know we have to wrap this show up. But I'm going to have you back. I just wanted to have you on because, you know, there's so much to talk about. And I just want to promote yeah. you. And, yeah. the, you know, the third season. Of yeah, the, the third season. And, of course, our Wake Up and Pray. Yay. And also your new book is coming out and your Feminine yeah. Watch is coming out. So stay tuned to everything at The Polish Woman. Go right now to um, YouTube and look at the I Love You video. Please pass that around. And let's yeah. get those numbers up because it's a beautiful PSA. I'm starting to be like you. I'm clapping. Okay. So, <laughs> Jess. You know, you are, I always say, what do you want people to take with them into this week? And we know what you're going to say. So, Jess, what do you want people to take with them into this week? Give love to the next person that you see after what, after hearing this, after <laughs> listening to this podcast show. Friends. <laughs> Isn't it funny? You have to change your script because you went from video to audio. <laughs> I know, it's so hard. It's enough. okay. But I echo that. I really, for this week, everyone, you know, Father's Day is coming up. Tomorrow is National Elder Abuse Day. Give yeah. the elders in your life a call. Honor them, respect them, check in on them, see how they're doing. Yes. And really, like Jess said, give love to the next person you see. Mm -hmm. I love you all for tuning in. Really spread love more than ever. This week is going to be a heavy week for a lot of people who have lost their fathers. So really be conscious of that. Be aware of that. Give love. And I have to give love to Kipton Cronkite for being here on Max and Friends and for Ashru's song and for you, Jessica Bunovac, and for Ronan helping me with the show. I love you all for tuning in. Until next time, good night and good karma. And remember to take life to the max. I'm your host, Max Tucci for Max and Friends.